Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening and welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of Believe and Buzz Radio Networks on 106.7 Buzz 2 in Central Arkansas. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes. Alongside me, as always, is Adam Hall. And we're also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and we will start there with the news of the day, of course. And reports came out that last night that Hunter Yurchek informed the team and Sam Pittman that he will return for the 2024 season. Um, Adam, you know, talk about, you know, your initial thoughts when, of course, people were waking up and, and, and seeing this news after last night's game. You know, what was your initial thoughts of, of seeing that Pittman indeed would be back next year? Um, I looked at it as, you know, it was something that um, the players and the coaching staff no longer have to worry about. They know what's going to happen. Um, you know, there were different scenarios that I think everybody were playing out on when and if something were to happen. Um, but it's, I guess – we would have liked the news sooner, obviously, but it's better than going on another week or even longer with just the sitting and wondering game. So, you know, now yeah. we can put it to rest. And it is a catch-22 because, I mean, say like last night, you know, you put the news out and then, say, Missouri comes and just blows out Arkansas next week. Now you're you're in the same boat as you was last week after the Auburn game. Or opposed to, you know, they announce it, it gives them motivation to beat Missouri. Right now, I mean, you're playing with house money on on getting these wins at the end of the season, right? No bowl game, you know, or if there's not enough people eligible, you go five and seven, you could get selected for a bowl game. I mean, there's just that many bowl games out there. So there still is that possibility. I don't know what kind of percentage or chance there is for Arkansas to make a bowl game. But there is a chance, you know, it's like on a, a Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's still a chance that if Arkansas beats Missouri next week, ends the season five and seven, Arkansas could get selected to a bowl game. Also, you know, this is KJ's potentially, unless he decides to come back, his last game in Razorback Stadium against Missouri and a game that I'm sure that he wants to go out on with a win. So, I mean, that's just those things coming out. Knowing that you're head coached, uncertainty, of course, with the recruits and stuff. But, yeah, I think it was the right move. It's just we'll have to see moving forward on what happens next season. Yeah, because, I mean, with this, you know, there's still um, questions. You know, what do they do in the offensive coordinator position? Do any of the coaching staff leave um, who stays? And then, you know, I think it looks at, too, you know, get a, going ahead and getting this out there that he is staying um, – any guys that may have been on the fence with the portal, you know, it's very possible that Sam Pittman saying is what keeps them here, or it could still send people away. You never know how that's going to play out or what's in a player's head. Yeah. And, and a lot of, and I want to, you know, point out the crowd last night. I know it wasn't as much as what the, they announced crowd, but they filed in after the game, after the game started really quickly. I mean, I, it was like 20 minutes till game time. I'm like, mm -hmm. here we go. I mean, it just was empty. We were up in the upper deck on the west side, and it was looking kind of empty. But then where we were at, there was a lot of people around. We looked across the way. I couldn't see up underneath, and it looked like there was a lot more people on the west side than there was on the east side when mm -hmm. it come to the lower section. Um, So, I mean, if that tells you, one, the fans still showed up. Two, um. From what I seen live, it didn't seem like any of the players were playing down. There was no just lifeless emotion. There was, you know, it was a lot of things, you know, when especially like when uh I think it was Walcott when he stripped the ball, you know, and ran mm -hmm. in the end zone. I mean, there was still a lot of emotion. There was still a lot of 
pride. And, and the, the guys, two guys, I can't remember the names that was in the press conference this week, said we're playing for pride. They they came out and played. I mean, and it was a good atmosphere for what was ex, what I was expecting. I mean, we, we tailgated down at Bomb Stadium and there was hardly anybody. But when we got back to our vehicle, that whole parking lot was full. Mm-hmm. So I do want to give kudos to the crowd. They showed up. Again, I know it wasn't, I think, they, what they say, 60-something thousand? It's like 66, 442, yeah. or 420, something like that. There wasn't that many, but it wasn't like a Western Carolina deal. It wasn't like that. Yeah, you know, watching from at home on TV and everything, they, you know, you, you saw the crowd um, at the beginning of the game. Of course, they always show, like, several minutes before kickoff and whatnot mm-hmm. when they get their uh, camera pans and so it was kind of, you weren't sure. Um, they made a comment at one point that um, it was hunting season. So maybe the fans were out, you know, doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we're, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, going to the, the players on the field, you know, definitely looked like they had more life. I will say that even after, I think it was after the first touchdown, Arkansas's first score, um, you know, they showed the guys that, you know, offense sitting on the bench. And I mean, they didn't look too enthused. Yeah. Um, so, and that could have been a number of things, but what what we saw on the sideline versus what we saw on the field were two completely different things. And that could have been because of the uncertainty. Hey, look, is is this the last game that coach is going to be coaching? Is this, you know, the they didn't know. So, I mean, you've got a lot of anxiousness. Like, mm-hmm. and the pressure of, look – they know if their back's against the wall, and this is a game that, hey, if this is a close game or we lose, we might not have our coach. And we don't know what the players, you know, inside is. If the players want Pittman or not, you know, we can only see by their actions, you know. And I know probably a lot of them. I mean, the way they looked against FIU, and I know it's hard to, to gauge with the opponent, but with that being said – they still come out and play. So now, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll get a better look next week when they play Missouri. This is a game where the two teams hate each other. As much as anybody wants to say it's not a rivalry, it's a rivalry. You know, this is where you could you t- well, you want to talk about pride and you want to talk about winning the game, knock them out and, and really put them out on a two game skid with, with you know or you know losing against uh, Arkansas. Yeah, you know. I looked at, you know, I watched a little bit of the highlights from the the Missouri game and going into this week, I I don't feel I Missouri's gonna come ready to play. Um, I think oh, they yeah. overlooked Florida a little bit yesterday. And even if um, you know, with Arkansas season that's going the way it's going, I mean, uh Missouri doesn't like Arkansas. I think they don't like Arkansas a little bit more than um Arkansas fans would like to believe, but um, I think Missouri is going to be ready to um, show up and show out. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I do hope that doesn't happen, because we know that Missouri's put out there, the, uh, they want to stripe out Razorback Stadium in black and gold um, just because yeah. of all the tickets and stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things that even if we're having, you know, even if we weren't, you know, four and seven, you know, if we were – two and nine at this point or whatever it may be, you know, it's one of those things that it's still, you don't want to see an imposing team come into your home field and do that. Yeah. And I think that was more of uh, let's, let's kick a dog while it's down. You know I mean? That's, yeah. that, that's what it was. And Andrew McAdams says, do you think A&M and Mississippi state have a job openings, have anything to do with Sam state? I don't think so because they haven't hired anybody yet. They, I mean, this is, you know, they don't, there's people interviewing for all the, um, all those positions. I don't know, you know. I, I think, and again, I'll say the opponent. Yes, was a lackluster opponent, but I, I really think that Hunter took in a account of okay, you, you just got your bell rung by Auburn, who in fact last night got beat. <laughs> you know. By New Mexico State, I believe it was. You know, mm-hmm. New yeah. Mexico or New Mexico State. I always get the, them two mixed up. But he's seen how they played. And, of course, going out on a win, you know, I think he's like, okay, you know, Sam deserves another year. And and whether y'all want to like it or not, I'm sure. I mean, we've gauged it all, all day today. You know, we've seen 
where you're at. You're entitled to your opinion. And honestly, where I'm at right now, you're you're no whether you want him or want him gone, you're not wrong because I could see both arguments on both sides of it. But I trust Honey Urchek. He's not made a bad move yet. Um, and, and until for proven otherwise, I've got to trust that he believes in Sam being his guy and knows what is going on within this program and is basically giving Sam the chance to, you know, turn this thing around. Yeah, and, you know, with two West, you know, division coaches or coaching spots being open, you know, I look at A&M and, you know, that's with what they pay and the amount of attention that they get, you know, that's on the national scale, Uh whereas I think we'd be competing honestly more with Mississippi State when it came to who the pick of the litter would be. Um, So, you know, anytime that A&M job comes up, I mean, they're going to be, and especially when they're paying – nine, 10, 11 million, whatever that number comes out to be, um, you know, they're, they're going to be in the talk from the national standpoint. So if there's two, if they're one of the two jobs that get opened up, you know, I don't look at the, like nobody's going to really compete with the amount that they're going to pay. Yeah. And, and moving to the game, I mean, you, you start out, all right, good, good drive. And then when they took the lead, it, it was just, you know, I think you got the clip pulled up. You know, when they hit that crossing pattern and ran it in for a touchdown, you, at that moment, you just heard a gasps. You heard just like, here we go again. And this is where I'll say, you know, watching the play right now, you know, Hudson Clark comes in front of the guy instead of behind him. It's a whole different ball game. Um, I know one, uh, number one right there, he got beat, but – you know, that's where the safety comes in on that crossing route. But they had a chance to, I mean, they were ahead and Arkansas come back. I mean, they started really running the ball. Uh, 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 Gustave, that, yeah. he Augustive. Augustive, yeah. He, I mean, you talking about getting your moment and making the best mm-hmm. of it. I mean, he come out and just was running. They, they, they had really no answer for him. When it come to um, the run game, I mean, he just a bell cow for it. And then Dominique Johnson, holy moly! I mean, just that that one run that really kind of capped, really opened it wide open when they handed the ball off, and he just went right up the middle, and nobody touched him. I mean, they were you could tell, and that we had talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about going under center and having a guy like KJ and not mixing things up. When Enos was here, you knew KJ was getting that ball. Well, they keyed on KJ fully. And when he handed mm-hmm. the ball off, you could tell. I mean, he didn't get touched. Wide open to the end zone. And really just that's what really got the crowd really going and into it. And and then it just went down here for uh, FIU from there. But, you know, and then, you know, Cam Little missing a couple of field goals. And you could tell – it was an uneasy vibe, you know, as much as they wanted to be hyped up. And, and it's almost like you, you want to play up and you want to be excited, but you know what's you know about the elephant in the room. And I really think with them making that decision to stick with him, you're going to see a different team. I don't know about the outcome, but you're going to see a different team, more relaxed team coming out next Friday or next Saturday against uh, Missouri. Yeah, last night was one of the, I mean, honestly, let's be real, the first games that we've had this season that, um, you know, our running backs were running through people, running through tackles. They weren't just getting tripped up. Uh, they were running with a purpose. Um, Augustaf is the one I've been wanting to see all year, but, you know, I get one to keep his red shirt intact. So, you know, I fully believe that we'll see plenty of him uh, against Missouri. So he is – all that he's been hyped up to be, and it was good to see him on the field last night. But there, there was more holes created. Um, and, yeah, the running backs were just, like I said, running with a purpose. They weren't just going down, um, you know, first chance they got touched, like it's been the case so far. But also, you know, the which, again, I know we're going back to the level of competition, but, we, you know, not having the defensive line a yard or two in your backfield when you get the ball helps out quite a bit too. Yeah. 
And you go back to the first of the season when when you seen the team struggling to run the ball against Kent State, struggling to run the ball against Western Carolina. For them to really pound the ball the way that they were supposed to on a team like this, that's what's refreshing. It's ref- it, you know I know you could sit there and say, well, that's what they're supposed to do against FIU. Well, you go back Kent State, Western Carolina, they didn't do that. You know, you didn't have to fully rely on KJ to do everything last night. That that was the one big shining positive out of last night is you had guys that stepped up and Dominic Johnson, Estave, Augusta, you know, who took over the game and you had another 100-yard rusher. You know, you had a team in Florida International coming in with, you know, they were upset-minded. I know it's hard to say on a <laughs> – a three-win team, but, you know, that's what they were wanting to do. You talking about kicking a dog while it's down, well, they smelt blood in the water, and they wanted to come in and upset Arkansas. And I know one thing. I mean, that could have been a whole different talk conversation that we're having today if they would have pulled out the win. Yeah, like watching yesterday, you know, we started off like we have in several games. We come out pretty hot um, on the first drive. We scored, you know, there's a lot of hype, and then it's just kind of like the letdown begins. Um, FIU goes down, they score, and it was one of those that I you could almost just see it like, here we are again. And But, you know, kudos to Arkansas for clawing back out after they got down, I think scoring. Um, well, 24, first, in the, like, it was 24. 24 unanswered yes. in one of the quarters, you know. So that was that was the one thing that was like, all right, they're back in this, their their mind's right. It was just that little kind of scary moment at the beginning that you're like, um, here we go. Yeah. And and you could feel it, you could sense it in the stands, mm-hmm. but once, you know, I think there was we left with like five minutes left left in the fourth quarter. Um <laughs> and um it was you know, you could see I mean everybody was leaving as we were leaving, you know. But they because the game was in hand and, and it was Arkansas was pulling away, but I'm really anxious to see how this transitions with everything that's happened today, the game last night. I'm, I'm really anxious to see what type of team shows up next week because of all teams. you know, Look, if you think for one second Missouri's coming to this game overlooking Arkansas, no. They want to, they want to beat Arkansas just as much as Arkansas wants to beat them. They want to hang 40 – on Arkansas just as much as Arkansas wants to hang 40 on them. I mean, this is going to be one of them things. If it gets out of hand, there's going to be no mercy. I want it to be a good game. I want. I mean, I want Arkansas to come out and pull the, pull off the upset, you know, and, and bring that trophy back to Arkansas, you know, because, look, Missouri's had our number. You know, you, you don't have too many wins in this rivalry. So – for them to come in and think that, you know, they're down, they're, Arkansas is going to have to play their best game to win this game. They are because Missouri's a really good team. But look what Florida, Florida hung with them at, in Missouri. I know Missouri could have been looking ahead, but that's, that's all the motivation Arkansas needs. They're going to need some breaks. They're going to need some turnovers. But if you can do three things, you can stop trying to turn your, your field goals, finish your drives, capitalize on your drives and score touchdowns. Don't turn the ball over, and you cause turnovers. You could win this game on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think you know. Even all the, <clears throat> I don't want to use the word negative, but the the thoughts that people have about you know Coach Drinkwitz at Mizzou. Um, say what you want about him, but he gets his team ready, especially when they're playing Arkansas, whether it's in Columbia, whether it's in Fayetteville. I think it means a little bit more to him to come back to Arkansas and be able to put it on. He's going to have his team ready. Um, he's done it ever since he's taken over there. So um, that's one thing, you know, I'm ready for a dogfight. You hope that it doesn't turn into, you know, an out-and-out Mizzou blowout. But like you said, you know, creating turnovers is big. Um, and Arkansas not giving up turnovers also. Because I think last night they showed um, Arkansas leads the nation in defensive touchdowns. And so, you know, it's one of those things that you, you see that and then you look at the record or whatever, and it just almost kind of like just gives you a meh, uneasy feeling because it's like here you are at this great stat 
and number one in the nation in defensive touchdowns, and then you're sitting at, you know, four and seven. Yeah. And that goes to, you know, look at what the, they've done on the defensive side of the ball and switching things around. Um, you you can look at what Browse has done in, at, at TCU. You can look at what Odom's done at UNLV. You know, and you're looking at a different scenario when you're talking about him because he's a head coach now. He's not the defensive coordinator. He's over the mm-hmm. whole program. Um, that is another question that will be answered, and I'll, I just want to ask you first. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking around, we're talking about shopping around, and who are we going to get for the offensive coordinator? Do Do you think with what the performance last night? Yes, again, it was FIU. Where does where does Kenny Guyton stand on getting that promotion, or is his final audition coming up next week to see how he game plans against a team that really wants to, and no offense, embarrass you? Yeah. Um, I still think he's in that audition interview process. Um, you know, the first game coming out and putting up, what was it, 500 yards – um, you know, that was huge, but then, you know, we've still seen those sputters in the offense. Um, we've still seen some issues. And so I'm not a hundred percent that you don't go try to find, um, somebody else. And that's not, you know, I'm not trying to take away anything from coach Guyton. I just, you know, from the looks of, okay, um, Pittman's going to be retained. He is going to have to look within and see what changes are now going to have to be made since, his job for the time being is safe, you know, whether it's um, a different offensive coordinator, but then you don't know who that offensive coordinator, who he's going to retain or who he's going to bring in. Yeah. Um, So that's a big thing. You know, uh, we've all had our um, opinions, you know, when it comes to Cody Kennedy and the offensive line, but then I look at coach Morgan that came in, you know, this season, he's had his one year at tight ends coach and he was the number one. I mean, he was the top tight ends coach in the country. Um, you know, at Stanford, that's what he did was put tight ends into the NFL. So that's one of those things that's whoever you bring in, you have to realize that, you know, there's the chance that he's going to bring in his own people. Yeah. And you got to show that guy some grace when it comes to position. When you lose your top two tight ends to the same, Mm -hmm. same kind of injury. I mean, I don't think anybody should be calling, calling for his job unless just the, like you said, the new OC comes in and, he wants his own people to come in and run his mm-hmm. style. But, I mean, to have has get hurt like that, I mean, in Washington get hurt the same kind of way, I mean, you know, you got to show him some grace. But the whole offensive line thing, that's what's – that is what is, I guess, um, the most concerning thing for me is talking about next year is – it's hard just to go to the portal and bring in three or four new offensive linemen to your team and, and make it, make it work. Um, you know, that, that's hard to develop. That's hard to just, just because they're six, seven, 300 pounds or whatever, that they're just going to automatically come in and be beast for you on the offensive line. Um, this team just, just going to need a lot and you're losing a lot next year. You're losing a lot on both sides of the ball. So maybe that, you know, kind of was another thing of, look, you know, if you really want this job next year, we're giving you a hard schedule, and we're going to be coming back with a totally different team. Do you want to keep Guyton as your OC or bring somebody in? But again, when we're talking about bringing somebody else in with, yes, Pittman's coming back next year, but that is always going to be looming over somebody's head. Could this be a one-year position that I'm coming into? Or do we not just go ahead and give Guyton that that OC tag for next year? And because, again, what happened, I don't know what what the kind of buyout structure is for the OCs or whatever, if there is any at all. I don't know. Yeah, um, well, there's some because I think um, – Did Browse get a buyout? Yeah. Um, no, because he left on his own. Okay, okay. Um, now, Eno's got almost $2 million. That's That's right, that's right. Yeah. So. so you're thinking, I mean, but that's another thing you have to think of is if you bring somebody in and you're basically giving Pittman one more year, you know, to get the job done, 
are you want to deal with one buyout or two buyout? I mean, it's it, it's there's going to be a lot of discussion between now and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Missouri game next week. We're going to talk about a little Thanksgiving stuff. We'll wrap it up with the uh, basketball losing their game and, and what your thoughts are on the basketball team. I mean, I know we're right there in the midst of the changeover between football and basketball, so we'll cover all that when we come back from break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck, most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metro's Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And moving on to the Missouri game. Um, Adam, you know, what needs to, you know, when this carryover? What's the biggest thing that when you're watching Missouri play, when you watch them play against Florida and other games this season, you know, what is going to be the biggest thing that Arkansas is really going to have to key in when they are trying to slow down this offense? One thing that Missouri's done this season from what I've seen, and it's kind of like things that they've done in the past, is they've always seemed to – their quarterback makes the right throws at the right time, no matter who it's been. Um, there's some, you know, even against Florida last night, I think it was like fourth and 17 towards the end yes. of the game. And it's just, you know, to have the poise to, you know, make that throw, at the, you know, with, I think, I don't remember, 30 seconds left, 31 seconds left, something like that. Um, you know, that was huge for them, obviously. But, you know, they're, they're running backs too. Uh-huh. You know, that might be a game that, they're just kind of ho-humming along. They don't necessarily put up the stats. And then, you know, there's other games that they're making the big runs at the right time, whether it's, you know, just for first downs, touchdowns, whatever it may be. Um, I've noticed that they pick up good blocks um, for their quarterback, which is huge uh, and something, you know, the Arkansas had issues with um, doing themselves. So it's – they've got some guys that can make plays. And I know there was questions, you know, about quarterback at the beginning of the year, but um, he has definitely um, solidified his spot. I mean, obviously this far into the season, but he's – for them to be ranked, which now I know they dropped one spot to 10th after last night's game, but 
to have them as a top 10 team. I mean, they've done, they've gone above and beyond, I think, preseason predictions. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, they, they were, they weren't picked to be this good in the East. I mean, and that just shows you, but this is a team that's also out of the East, been to two SEC, I mean, back to back SEC championship games. They know how to get there. And the thing is, they're doing it with just the same kind of talent that Arkansas has. You know, you don't have, I mean, you've got a running back that is, I mean, you want to talk about somebody who is a bell cow. That dude can just flat out Mm -hmm. run the ball. That's going to be the biggest key. You stop him and make them one dimensional. You're you're going to have a, a shot at uh, at you know pulling off the upset. But just how balanced this team is, um, very very balanced team. I think you're going to have a very tough time winning the game. I think mm-hmm. I think when you talk about the pride, the the, the pride of this game you can't let them come in and beat you by 30 you can't let them just come in and well it's almost like when we're talking about Pittman's coming back okay well we know Pittman's already safe he's not going anywhere we're just gonna you know okay let's just move on next year you still got to come out and play this game and you know Cody Schrader had you know yesterday had 148 yards rushing and a touchdown Cook was 20 for 34 for 331 yards passing. So you got a guy rushing for 150 almost and you a quarterback passing for 331. That is very, very dangerous when it comes to – and I think Luther Burden's the one that caught that pass there at the end because they were talking about him being that guy that everybody on the field mm-hmm. they knew that was going to and he still found out uh, found a way to catch the ball. So it, it's not going to be an easy task. I mean, of course, you're playing the number 10, number 9, whatever poll you're looking at. You're still playing a top-gen team to finish out the season. So you, you're going to have to play your best game. You're going to have to play a dang near perfect game to pull this off and hope for some turnovers on the way. But um, I just I, I want them to go in, like I said, with a sense of pride and really – go out with a bang, whether win or lose, at least come out and compete in this one. Yeah, I mean, looking at their their team, Burden's got 1,100 yards, Trader's got 1,200 or 1,100 yards receiving, Trader's got 1,200 yards rushing. So, you know, that's definitely something that it's going to be hard, honestly, I mean, for, to single out one, you know, whether it's the run or this pass. You're going to have to figure out, you know, defensively, you know, especially in the secondary, how are you going to stop um, Burden? Yeah. Because even, you know, we talked about the level of competition with FIU and seeing what Mitchell did last night and, you know, him coming into that game with 700-something yards, 800 yards, but he was, um, you know, the guy when it came to receivers for, um, for FIU. And I know Rod Gilmore even mentioned last night that he had uh, – Mitchell for FIU on his uh, Bolitnikoff um, watch list. So now you're getting into with burdened, you know, you've got a bigger, stronger, potentially more talented wide receiver. Um, how, what are you going to do to stop him? Cause you can't honestly, I don't think you can go score for score. You, you can't play that game. Yeah. And, and you look at that one play. I mean, you talk about the receiver. I mean, you take off that one busted play. Mm. I mean, that that really is what turned this game from 40 to 20, 44 to 22 of 44, 14, 44-10 game. It was just a wrong read, but we have to really know. And now, retrospect of going against Missouri, that one play like that, can turn it into a flop-sided score where Missouri could be 44 and you could be 20. You've really got to – this is where you're going to have to be disciplined. You're going to have to play a full four-quarter game and and really play lights out because with how balanced this team is, you don't know what's coming. You don't – I mean, dude throwing for over 300 yards and a guy rushing for almost 150, it's just the thing that <laughs> – 
your last, last glimmer of hope of being coming bowl eligible couldn't mm-hmm. come against the worst team now. But at the end of the – or the beginning of the season, we could see this as – and I even guaranteed that KJ would win this game because I didn't see him going out losing to Missouri. So, I mean, I'm probably going to be eating a lot of crow at the end of the season and really have to, you know <laughs> – you know. Am, am I going to be the one that's changing changing <laughs> next year? Because, I mean, it's just it, – it's been a crazy year this year. It really has. I mean, you know, us with our nine and threes, eight and fours, we yep. saw some of the 10 and twos and 11 and one. I mean, there's – nobody knows how this – you know, the seasons are going to play out, and we just all have to accept what our predictions were and deal with it. And like you said, eat the crow and move on. But, you know, we both – I think I had this game as – um one of those that could go either way, but I think I circled it as Mizzou winning. And I think a lot of that is just because of um, how it's been so far in this series. You just hope that whether this is KJ's last game or not, you know, even if it's not, it'd be, he wants to get, you know, the monkey off his back, if you will, when it comes to beating Mizzou. Uh-huh. You know, he's, he wants to be able to go out in this season on a high note. And for it to, you know, not, it's not going to rectify what's happened this season by any means, but it'll at least, you know, leave a little bit better taste in your mouth. The question is that, that he's probably going to be pondering what, you know, especially you look at all the records he's done broken, you know, he's at the top of every major category when it comes to a quarterback in the university of Arkansas. Is that enough for him? Is that as I'm going out, there's looking at next year's schedule, looking at next year's team and the uphill battle that he has, what left do I have to prove? Are we going to win? You know, am I knowing that I'm going to come in the next season, we're going to win eight, nine games and have a really good bowl game? Or am I really going to come in and we're going to win eight, nine games and I'm going to up my draft stock? That That's where – I'm leaning to where he could come back using those same arguments. I'm at the top of every statistical category at the University of Arkansas. They're not going to be a better team than they are this year. They've got We've got too much coming back. We've got too many people leaving. We're not going to get to that 8-9 win season. I'm not going to have a chance to up my draft stock. Have I done enough at Arkansas? And he decides to either transfer or try his name in the NFL draft. I mean, that's really what he's going to be asking himself over the next couple of weeks. That's tough. But you also know that, you know, with with Criswell, you see see him how he can zip the ball. You can see how he can run with him him being developed. I mean, it's not like this is gloom and doom. I mean, you know the potential he could have. He could be just like KJ, another KJ coming up through the ranks with, with the development. But that also has to do with O.C., and how are we going to handle this new regime of we could have a new quarterback next year, new OC? What are we going to be doing? I mean, there's a lot. that I think in Sam Pittman's tenure at Arkansas, this is going to be the most questions he's going to have when it comes to what's going to happen next season. Are you, is KJ coming back? Are you going to have Jacoby? What's your offensive line going to be like? Is Kennedy coming back? Who's going to be your OC? And I know that's a hard thing to say with losing your OC and your defensive coordinator this past season. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of shoes. There's a lot of things that's going to have to be changed next season. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah, KJ really has to, I guess, look within himself and see um, what he wants to do. Because, like you said, he's, you know, at the top of every statistical or major statistical quarterback um, record at Arkansas. you know, he's been on that cusp of being drafted and not being drafted mm-hmm. um, with his draft stock. And, and I, you know, the combine could make or break that. But going to the combine, obviously, that would be him. Re- I mean, he wouldn't be able to come back. Um, but we've seen the combine completely boost somebody's draft stock, but we've also seen it completely tear down people's draft stock. And if you're already on that, on the fence, on the cusp of, not being drafted and you go in and you don't have that great of combine. Maybe you don't run a four, four or, you know, that four, six, four, seven, 40, 
um, that at, for a quarterback, you know, maybe they look at it like, okay, you're 6'3", 250 pounds, and not as fast as we thought. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of questions that surround it. So, you know, I know he's going to be um, getting as much feedback as possible from coaches around him and then others out there that critique and grade these prospects. Yeah, and the biggest thing he's going to have to answer is, it seems like every coordinator he's had, they've had to come down on the playbook. You know, you look at Sam Pittman this year. We're going to, you know, do away with 30% of the playbook. You know, Kendall Browse, it was a one-read system. I mean, you see all them things that were catered to KJ when it comes to the next level. You could be a great college quarterback and not necessarily transition to an NFL quarterback. It happens all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at all the number one draft picks who've went to the NFL and, and they've ended up being a bust. Or look at, you know, mm-hmm. the Heisman Trophy winner quarterbacks who've ended up going to the NFL and just not working out. It's it's a different ball game. You're looking at different kind of reads. You're looking at more talented defensive. You're looking at, you know, you're, you're playing an average in the SEC, maybe one All-American on the, on the defensive side of the ball, opposed to when you go to the NFL, you're playing against a bunch of All-Americans. You know, the speed and the physicality and the reads is a lot different. You're dealing with NFL defensive coordinators that, you know, their jobs are on the line every single week, much less at the end of the year, you know. So, that being said, what Chris was pointing to was a lot of it depends on the NIL KJ is getting now where he could go. Is somebody going to throw him a bag? Is he going to get a bag here at Arkansas, you know, that has, can he make more here now coming back opposed to trying to go to the draft? That's another one of those aspects that come into the uh, the equation. And there's a lot of people who think he is an NFL quarterback, and there's a lot of people who don't think he's an NFL quarterback. So if in his heart and mind he wants to go to the try the draft, but he sees that college is you know about going to be the, the the stopping point of him being a college quarterback or a quarterback. He might want more money. You never know. We don't know what's going to happen, but I would love for him to be able to come back. And and with everything that's happened this year, I said it a couple weeks ago with him and Rocket being able to come back and do a do-over, you know, just to be able to get bowl eligible, get to a bowl game, beat Missouri, beat some beat some of these teams, beat A&M, and go out with, you know, go out and be able to ride off into the sunset on a positive note opposed to what's happened this year. Yeah, he'll definitely have a lot of questions to answer for himself, um, you know, between now. I don't even know what the date is for when they have to be officially entered for the combine. But, you know, we expect it would probably be early first of the year that we would have an answer from him. So it's it's going to be a late game. There's going to be a lot of speculation. Um, but, you know, ultimately, whatever he decides is what he thinks is in his best interest. Yeah. And we'll, we'll wrap up on, we'll move to the Razorback basketball team falling to UNC Greensboro 78-72 on Friday night in Bud Walton Arena. Um, man, I mean, <laughs> that game just, it was never a game for Arkansas. I mean, you, you think about looking ahead to the Bahamas and you're thinking about, you know, the who you're about to face and then Duke after that letting a, a team like UNC Greensboro take a 14-point halftime lead on you and, you know, four for 23 shooting on three-point range. I mean, just everything. And and I'll, I'll say this about Musselman, and he was getting a lot of praise by how open he was about his team. And we've seen this in previous games, giving his team an F grade. You know, this team was an F. You're not closing out. You're not doing this. I mean – this is what happens when you, you bring in a lot of superstars and you try to get things to gel. I mean, they've got a lot of leadership. They've got a lot of people who can score. But you've got to be able to find the hot hand and rely on that person. And letting a team like UNC Greensboro come in at home and beat you 78-72, I know it's early in the year, but that loss still stinks. It does. And you just hope that that was that one non-conference loss that they got out of their system and then go on a run. Um, It was ugly from the start. They couldn't hit, I mean, anything. I think up until the last few minutes, 
I mean, they were had only hit one three, and that was early on in the first half, like the first couple minutes of the game. Um, so it, it was tough to watch. I do applaud them for, you know, fighting back and getting within single digits like they did. But every time they claw back, then UNC Greensboro would get on a little six to eight point run and get it right back up to double digits. Um, we didn't see, I think there was a lot of frustration. I don't think we saw as much ball movement um, as we have in previous games, but also, I mean, with shots not falling, your assists are down, um, but it's, it, it was tough to watch, but they're going to have rough games and it's, what do they do after that? That's going to define them. Yeah. That, that's the best thing when it comes to basketball season is you could, you could have a preseason of four and 10 in your non-con or, you could I mean we've seen it where they went thirteen and zero in non-con and end up laying an egg. I mean that it just mm-hmm. happens. It, it's it's there's a big difference between November and March, and we know what Arkansas has been able to do lately in March. So I think that's where the cushion comes in. It's not football season where you lose one game in November and your season's over by December. You know you still have a whole half of the year of you're just playing conference opponents. Um, so they played the 22nd against Stanford and then mm-hmm. Memphis or Michigan on Thursday and then Friday, if they make it to the end, um, on the finals of that, then you have Duke coming up Wednesday. So you're going to have really, really truthfully know what type of team you have after these next four games, or I should say three to four games. I don't know if, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they make it to the finals of the, Bad boy at battle for Atlantis uh, tournament or whatever they call it. It's the bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis. Um, yeah, there's still a loser side to that bracket. So they'll okay. play, they should play all three games or okay. all three days. Uh, it's just the first two games, we know who the opponents are going to be. Well, in the second game, it's either or Memphis or Michigan. But you know your opponents, those first two games, it's just, um, the third game is all going to be dependent on who wins, who loses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these next four games are definitely going to show us, you know, I, it was good to see, you know, coming into the season and getting that exhibition game with Purdue where we were at. Um, but, you know, it was an exhibition game. We all have seen how those games have turned out for us in the past, you know, last year's blowout loss to Texas, um, and then still get to the Sweet 16. Uh-huh. So, you know, when you get into the season is really when um, it's going to matter. Obviously. So it, it, it's it, these next couple of weeks are going to be true telling of where we're at. And you come out of that and you got five games before SEC play. So that is another good thing about it. You could put all your energy into this, this bad boys mower, Duke, and then you've got a five game against Furman, Oklahoma, Lipscomb, Abilene Christian, and UNC Wilmington to wrap everything up on December 30th before you start SEC season on January 6th. So there's a little bit of cushion on there. It's not like you're playing Duke and then two weeks later you're a week later you're going right into uh, conference season. You play Duke on November 29th and then you got basically a whole month almost before you play Auburn. Uh, before we wrap up, we will tell you all about the schedule of events that is going on this week. In all of Razorback Athletics, we're going to start doing this at the very last of the show. As always, basketball plays. Uh, that was last week. That's week's last week. Yep, Sorry about that. Last week's schedule. But, Wrong one. <laughs> but no, we, 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 had tried, vol- we had volleyball win today. Yes, volleyball won today. Yep. Uh, they played on senior night against Florida. One in five sets. Oh, man. Talk about the crowd. I don't know the exact number that was here, but man. To send those seniors out on a win like that, and we'll talk about this more on Wednesday on our weekly women's sports report, but they play again on Wednesday, uh, but today was their senior day. But, man, Jill, Jill Gillen, Maggie, Taylor, Courtney, I mean, the girls that have come in, Hannah Hogue, you know, from Fort Smith, just very proud. Jason Watson, just what he's done with this team. And, you know, usually when you have a team on the rise, they get really hot, they peak, and – fall off but this team has stayed true to where they're at and someone said the fa- Facebook said the crowd was over 3,000 I believe it because the pictures I've seen it was just amazing seeing that crowd 
But what he has done, coach of the year. I mean, I, I mean, and I would even push for him to get national coach of the year. I mean, they went five sets with Wisconsin, you know, mm. just where this program has been to where they are now, these players, you're going to end up having some All-Americans on this team. I don't know which one will get the nod, but you're going to have an All-American on the, on the volleyball team by the end of the season. Really excited to see how they do in postseason this year. But for them to really stay on top, they've only uh, – I want to say, let me look at their schedule real quick. Um, they've only lost two conference games. I mean, and those were against Kentucky, who they've only lost one. They're at top right now, and that was in five sets at Kentucky, and that was right after they played Tennessee. So mm-hmm. then they got swept by Georgia, had a little brain fart, a little lapse at Georgia on November 1st. But then now they are on a one, two, three, four, five. Or, or no four four match win streak sweeping the first two and then five sets in the second two. They got Kentucky in Barnhill on Wednesday and then they close out the season at Auburn on the twenty fourth. So they're we got the right one up now. Okay, so you got volleyball that was today against Florida basketball against UCA tomorrow night basketball Stanford. But again, we show you that where the you can find each game and what time. So, again, when we get done with the broadcast, we'll put this up on our Facebook page and, and pin it at the top. So, if you need to know about any sport, what's going on, what channel, where to see it, um, you'll be able to see it. And then, of course, again, the football game against Mizzou on Friday after Thanksgiving, 3 p.m. on CBS. So, Adam, you got anything else before we wrap things up? No, it's Thanksgiving week, so yes. it's one of those things. If you're deep frying a turkey, do it away from your house. And don't put it in frozen. Let it thaw yes. out. <laughs> so, all right, well, we'll be back Wednesday with the weekly women's sports report. For, again, Adam Hall, I'm Porter Hayes, brought to you by Bet Online and Arkansas Brewing Company. We'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.